Welcome to the Life on Repeat podcast with me, Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and dementia coach. I'm so happy that you found us. Hi, friends. I am here today with Gabrielle Giuliano Volani. And she is joining us from Sarasota, Florida. So I'm really excited to talk to somebody from about as far across the country (laughs) as you can get from Olympia, Washington. (laughs) So welcome, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. I love having these conversations. Gabrielle is a licensed clinical social worker. She's a consultant. And she's a founder of GJV Consulting and Training. And what I know about Gabrielle, what I've learned about Gabrielle is she is an expert in working with folks in burnout, with their burnout. And certainly those of you listening, whether you're a healthcare provider or a family caregiver or professional caregiver, I'm sure I should also add, or you're a human being. Yes, (laughs) that too. Right? To burnout. (laughs) Gabrielle, do you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and that'll just kind of warm us up to get into this deep conversation of burnout? Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I have experience in a lot of different areas. I started in victims advocacy And then I moved into working in child protective services, speaking of burnout, because that was the first place where I experienced that. And then I did something completely opposite. I pivoted and I started working with older adults and I was a care manager for an insurance company. And I worked with all of their Medicare Advantage people and I did home visits with them. And I just loved, loved that population and loved what I was doing. And of course, as things change, I could see that my program wasn't essential and I knew layoffs were coming because they had already started. So I just kind of, you know, had to reflect and think about like what was next for me. And I knew I didn't really want to stay there. And a colleague of mine and a friend at that same job was leaving and starting her own private practice. And she was my mentor and she helped me do the same thing. So I started a private practice doing in-home counseling for older adults and people with disabilities and chronic pain. And then at the end of 2021, that business got acquired. And now I am doing consulting and training on burnout and working with people who have chronic pain, working with older adults, all those things that I've kind of learned along the way. And I moved to Florida in the middle of the pandemic about two years ago from Denver, Colorado. And Another big part of my life is Zumba. I teach Zumba, so I love to dance and I love music. That is amazing. I It's so funny. As you were talking, I'm kind of checking the boxes for myself. I didn't <laughs> really, folks, before we scheduled this interview, I really didn't know how much experience you had in working with older adults and your background in care management. I really was attracted to you just based on your specialty and expertise in burnout alone. So. Thank you for sharing that. And sure. I think you really 
yeah, we're going to have a good conversation today. I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) And congratulations on building and selling. I mean, you're continuing to move on and upwards and onwards. Yeah. uh, Thank you. Yeah. So maybe you can start out by just sharing a little bit about burnout in general. I mean, this, I think it's a term it's just used, it's thrown around a lot. And I would just love to hear your definition of burnout. It is definitely thrown around a lot, especially right now, which, you know, definitely is validating and true. There is certainly a lot of burnout for everything that we've been through the past couple of years. But what I find is that people think of burnout more as stress and they're not the same thing. They definitely are buddies and they hold hands and they hang out together, but there are two separate things. So stress is too much and burnout is not enough. When you are burnt out, it's because of too much stress and overwhelm, but you basically get to this point where you're pushed into like a freeze response, or it's very similar to being depressed. A lot of, there's a lot of overlap there. So it's really just being more like depressed, hopeless, withdrawn, isolated, apathetic. This is super. I love the way you describe that because I'm such a visual person. So I'm already in my mind separating, oh, burnout and stress. Two (laughs) things. And when you think of the energy that comes with stress, like you said, it's it's too much. It's stimulation. it's, Mm -hmm. It's overkill. And then burnout. I love what you said. Not enough. And so when you were describing those words, like feeling hopeless, or or I wrote the word depleted, um, I could see the difference that there really is a stark difference between stress and burnout. And how would you recognize because this is kind of a new way of thinking about this, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you recognize that you were burned out or nearing burnout? Because I think all of us, everyone listening. And again, certainly if you're a human being, you experience stress, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and so and that stress goes up and down, but how do you know you're nearing burnout? There are a lot of red flags, but it's often when I'm working with people, what I find is like, we're maybe not paying attention, which is also just really common in our culture is that we're like always going, going and we're hustling and we're trying to do all of these things. But some red flags or triggers could be that you're feeling overwhelmed. Every day is a bad day. You're apathetic. You are numb. You are exhausted. Maybe you feel really alienated or isolated from not just work, but your family. And just reduced performance in general. So sometimes like an example could be maybe you or maybe even somebody you work with on your team is someone that's always on time. Like they're always punctual. And then you start to notice this person is late every day. It's 10 minutes late. Then it's 20 minutes late. Then it's 30 minutes late. Then they're not showing up at all. Like those are kind of the things, those changes in behavior where you're seeing that, yeah, your performance is starting to decline. And that's maybe trying to tell you that something else is going on there. I love that. One of the things I'm thinking of is when I talk to caregivers, a lot of times people will say, I don't even remember who I was before, or I like, I don't even know what my baseline is anymore. As far as 
comparing it to, okay, last week or even, even last year, I was like this. Sometimes people are living with this chronic stress and chronic exhaustion for so long that they don't even know. It's hard to even look at kind of what their baseline is. And so some of the things that you said that might be helpful that I'm thinking are checking in as far as the overwhelm and the apathy, the numbness. I think that word alone, I think so many people would resonate with because Mm -hmm. they may not have words to describe how they feel, but they often will express just feeling numb. They they don't get excited about the things they used to, or the the normal go-to solutions just aren't doing it for them. Exactly. Yeah. The, The other thing that you said and maybe you can speak a little bit more to that too, is this sense of alienation or isolation. Because again, so many folks experience that. And then we add the the last couple of years with the, the pandemic and it's sort of like everything was magnified. If you were already feeling isolated, it's, it was only magnified the last <laughs> couple of years. And so do you have any anything to, to add to that piece, I guess? I think, you know, just thinking about caregivers and feeling isolated or alienated. And it's, I hear that a lot in the caregivers that I've worked with because what they're doing is so nuanced and unique to everybody. And it's also very specialized, like not, you know, they're not going to have a ton of people in their lives that are caregivers. They might have a few, which is really great. And they can relate to those people, but often it's, I'm even thinking of some of my clients who are like, nobody gets what I'm going through right now that I am, you know, having to raise my own kids and work and have a marriage. And now my mom is sick and I have to take care of her too. And I don't have any friends that are going through this or even some of my elderly clients where they're a caregiver for their spouse. And they're like, you know, the rest of my friends are either sick or they've already passed away. And so I don't have anybody else who can help me or support me or just even listen to me vent. So I think when, if you are a caregiver and you're listening or you work with caregivers, it is so, so important to identify supports in your life and reach out to them. If you don't have any, there are lots of support groups out there (laughs) for this purpose. And it really does make a big difference to lean on some of the supports we might already have in place in our lives or create some new ones or find some new ones. This is awesome. I'm taking notes as you're talking. One of the things that you're highlighting that is so huge and it's really just come to the, it's always been there, but it's really come to the forefront the last couple of years. And that is how important connection is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear you saying is that one of the tips or tools to overcome burnout or take care of yourself really is to take stock on your connection with others and identify your supports and Mm -hmm. who are your supports and how do you find them? I love that you brought up the different support groups that are out there too. If you're not feeling that sense of connection with people in your life, or you have very few options as far as, as those folks go. I think that's just huge. We could probably talk a lot about that connection piece. You know, I tell this story, I'll share this with you. I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast before, but I remember 
it hitting me so hard one day early on, you know, I was a fresh out of grad school working in a, a skilled nursing facility. I was providing counseling to, you know, many of the residents there, but it, it hit me so hard one day. I was meeting with an older woman who lived in the nursing home wing and she was really expressing to me how isolated she felt, how lonely she was, how disconnected she was. You know, it was just, it was clear to me mm-hmm. how she was, at, she was aware of this and the um, experience it was having on her. And all I could think about is, you know, that I had just met the person next door, you know, in the room next door to her. And all they were talking about was how they had no privacy. You know, there were people there are nurses and caregivers and activity specialists and physical therapists and housekeepers, you know, coming in the room at all days and nights and how there's no, I guess what I'm saying is there's a difference between feeling isolated or feeling connected or disconnected. And so you can be surrounded by people and not feel connected. And you can be alone, you can live alone, and you can have very few physical connections with people, but you can feel connected to a great yes. community. And so, yeah, that idea of connection being a personal perspective or a different way of framing it. So, yeah. Any other thoughts about that piece? You mentioned support groups being a really good um, way of breaking out of your isolation. I love support groups. I know a lot of clients don't and they like they pushed back a little bit on it, but I really find that just being surrounded by other people who are going through the same thing you're going through just makes a huge difference. Again, connection and not just getting support, but it also feels good to give support to other people too. That you can say, oh my gosh, yes, I totally hear you. I know how stressful it is when you've got three doctor's appointments in a day and somebody needs to clean the house still and somebody needs to make dinner and I got to get her meds together for the week or whatever it is. Like It just feels good to be able to provide support and create bonds with people through that too. I love that highlight that you're making of it's not just about receiving it's also about giving and yeah. that can be so replenishing. That's great. Yeah. So how would, and we kind of touched on this a little bit when you talked about the signs, but how, how really would somebody know that they were burned out? Like what, if, if you were meeting with, with a client and having this conversation, what were some questions that you would be asking them? I would be asking them, what does your day-to-day look like right now? And how has that changed maybe since you became a caregiver or whatever is going on, or maybe in the last year, or what does that look like? Are you taking care of yourself? When was the last time you went to the doctor? What else would come up? Probably denial. I would ask about any sort of depression or feeling empty or anxious any behavioral changes like you know have maybe you noticed that your your fuse is a little bit shorter than it used to be <laughs> do you yeah. get angry easier do you get triggered more easily do you have fatigue what does that look like 
Are there any other like physical things that are coming up for you? Like any new diagnoses that you've had for any physical ailments or symptoms? Yeah, those, those are great, great questions, actually, because I think what happens with burnout is, you know, like you talked about, you're so depleted and there can be the sense of hopelessness that taking action to care for yourself, I imagine could be so difficult, whether it's scheduling that doctor appointment or even, even thinking, I'm imagining even thinking of the list of questions to ask your doctor (laughs) to tell them like that in and of itself can probably feel exhausting. Yeah. Those are, those are good reflections. We'll, we'll go through and make a list of those and include them in the show notes too, just to help folks reflect on that. I think that's really important. There is, so actually, if you didn't know, the term burnout comes from healthcare professionals. So lucky us that we got to (laughs) discover that. There is only one measurement of assessment that I know of, and it's not very well-defined. So we don't really use it, but it is, there is one out there. And it asks a lot of those questions that I was just kind of talking about. Like, do you feel emotionally drained? Do you feel used up at the end of the day? Do you feel frustrated? What else? I can hear our listeners checking the box. Right <laughs> <Yes. now. laughs> I feel similar to my patients or clients in many ways. Um, um, yeah. So yeah. you can look that up if you want. It's called the Maslock, if I'm saying that right, burnout inventory, the MBI. But that's really the only burnout measurement that I could find. So maybe we need to do some research, Laura. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. Because <laughs> there's so many, I, I mean, especially again, after the last couple of years, and with healthcare professionals and with family caregivers, there's there's something going on, right? There's there's a point where we are able at each individual level, we're able to handle stress and we have our own coping mechanisms, and then we we go into it, we come out of it, we replenish. Like there's this sometimes we experience a higher. But it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, by the time you enter this, by the time you're kind of out of the stress category and into the burnout category, that's where I would think things just become much more difficult in accessing the inner resources to support yourself. Like I said, even, even picking up the phone to call and make a doctor appointment can be a huge burden or barrier when you don't have the energy to even think about going to the doctor or scheduling it. And we all know too, that caregivers, nothing is ever just simple. It's not just picking up the phone and scheduling an appointment. It's finding time to, that you have privacy to do that. It's finding time to look up the number to make the call. It's having a conversation with someone about what you really want to cover in the appointment but then it's the planning, like where in the schedule are you going to put that? Yes. How are you going to get there? Where? What's your loved one going to do so that you have the time to go? And then we all, we've all been to doctor's appointments before. Sometimes you get 10 minutes with your doctor. <laughs> where do you <laughs> yes. even start? You know, you've got you have health, con- you know, physical health concerns, you have emotional and mental health concerns. Sometimes they often will tell you what you already know, like get some exercise, get some sleep, eat mm-hmm. right. You know, all the things they might even give you a prescription for something. And 
So, I mean, even me just going through this list, I can see how somebody that is feeling burned out to even take a step forward in supporting themselves takes such a tremendous amount of effort. Yes, absolutely. So what would you say to a caregiver who feels like they don't have anyone caring for them? I mean, this is care the the term itself you know is is about giving 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 and it isn't about replenishing and so what would you say to those folks who who just don't feel like they have anybody there for them or or they don't feel like they have the energy to to do that for themselves so i find that a lot of caregivers and just people in helping professionals in general don't ask for help and I think that's always a good place to start and maybe reflecting and digging a little deeper as to why we're not asking for help. What's the issue there? Is it because we don't want to be a burden? But sometimes also what I hear or see is that it's just having somebody say like, thank you, or I appreciate everything that you're doing for our mom or whatever it is, you know that makes a huge difference. People just want to be validated and heard and be appreciated. So that can be a good place to start. And I think it's helpful also to thinking about yourself and trying to take care of yourself. What are the things that bring you joy? What keeps you connected and present and curious? Because when you are not in that place and you are kicked into your fight or flight, we can't make good decisions there. It's not a good place to live (laughs) long-term. There's a lot of other things that will come from that. And, you know, you're not working or caring for somebody from a place of like really safety, like creating safety because you're kind of on autopilot. So really digging more into what makes me feel good and how do I get there? And if I can't get there every single day, that's okay too. But what are little things that can be helpful for you? Do you like being outside? And maybe you can't be outside as much because you're caregiving. So can we put some of your favorite plants inside so that you can look at them? Like little things like that, which seem really little, but they make a very big difference in your day-to-day. Yeah. I love that. I love that example you share because- whether you're an older adult who doesn't have accessibility to get out in nature or you're a caregiver who doesn't have the opportunity to be out in nature. I just love that, that example of, okay, how do you then pivot and get creative about bringing nature to you? Mm. And it's amazing to me how, when you set an intention, how that can shift the energy of the experience you're having. So yes, even though, yeah, I'm not out in the woods, like I'd like to be, or on the mountain, I've got this beautiful picture hanging on the wall. And every time I look at it, I can remember what it feels like to be out on the mountain or I bought, I brought in these seashells from the beach and Mm -hmm. I have a little spot for them in the house. And so I love that you just bring that up though, of how to recognize what feeds you and brings you joy or, or used to Yes, <laughs> tap into that right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and do these little kind of baby steps, be gentle with yourself and, and bringing that in. I love that. 
So one other thing you said is um, you asked the question, which I love this question so much, what brings you joy? And often what I will hear people say is nothing, nothing brings me joy anymore. I can't even tap into that place. I can't even imagine feeling the way that I have in the past. Mm -hmm. What would you say? How do you help people kind of remember or imagine what tapping, you know, back into that, that space in their lives, if they're burned out? That's a good question because I hear that a lot too. And I will ask that and they'll be like, I don't know, nothing does. So I might explore a little bit more and say, well, when was the last time you felt happy? When was the last time you felt, maybe we don't need to use the word happy, peaceful, calm, relaxed, any of those things that we can tie into because there was some sort of event or situation that happened somewhere along your life that made you feel that way. And let's go back to that time. And maybe it is like on your wedding day, 50 years ago, that's fine. Let's talk about that. What was going on? Where were you? What did it look like? Were you hearing? Were you seeing? What sensations did you feel? And then if I really want to get woo-woo on them, I'll ask, where are you feeling that in your body? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that you're, Yeah. <laughs> no, and this is important stuff, right? Because I think people, people need to understand that, that you know, our bodies are amazing. And when we're tapping into the realm of feeling and sensation and emotion, we're kind of tapping into that subconscious realm. And, and when we do that, our bodies don't, they, our bodies really do not know that uh, it's not happening in the present moment. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you're reminding your invitation (laughs) to go back to a different time or place where they felt that before is sort of awakening those cells, the cellular memory of that. And then the more you do that, the more your body remembers how to feel that way. And then the easier it is to tap into that. that Yep. Those Um, pathways are there and we can refine them and we can also rebuild them. So it's really important to remember that too. I, I tell my clients that like, even when we're doing EMDR or just talking about this, like your brain is like a big meadow. And if you keep walking down the same path, like the grass will get worn down and you'll have that path there. And it's really easy to access and to walk through it. I love that. I love that explanation. I hadn't heard that before. That's nice. Will you tell our audience what EMDR is? Just yes. For those that, yeah. I realized I just threw that out there. <laughs> <Okay>. Sorry. <laughs> it stands for eye motion desensitization reprocessing. Got it. And it's a, a therapeutic tool that therapists are trained in to use. And it can be very, very effective for, for folks in I don't want to say reprogramming your brain, but changing some of of the connections that are in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is so great. Well, Gabrielle, is there anything else that we haven't touched on regarding burnout that you think would be really helpful for our listeners to, to know? We kind of jumped around on all kinds of things. We touched on little tips that you can do, how to recognize it. You know, one thing that I will say is that burnout has a very big impact on your physical health. So I just like to put that out there too, because when you are in that place in your body, or even when you're chronically stressed, there's a lot of things that are happening with your hormones and your heart rate 
and your blood pressure and all of that stuff over time can build up and can lead to bigger issues. So I think sometimes, you know, people, uh, I'm a great example actually of this because (laughs) my burnout did lead to a couple of autoimmune disorders. So it's important to take care of yourself. It's okay to ask for help. I always think of like when I have caregivers who say they don't want to burden somebody, I'm like, well, if somebody came to you asking for help, what would you say? And it's always, oh, well, that's my neighbor. Of course I'm going to help them. Like it's the same thing here. You know, we have to be able to do the things that we need to do to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I, I'm glad that you brought that up again, because lots of people experience that myself included, you know, we, especially there are so many women that are in the role of caregiver and we women, we, we sort of tell ourselves the story, you know, we're supposed to be able to do it all. And if we don't get it all or do it all, then somehow we're failing. And that that's a lot. When I say it all, I mean, everything (laughs) from, you know, the day to day, having laundry done and the house clean and the dishes done to also scheduling appointments. And, and now you're taking the role of overseeing someone else's care who often have chronic medical conditions. And the reality is there is no human being on the planet that can do all of that. There, right. there just isn't. And so we need to recognize that it's not our responsibility as caregivers. It, it, we are part of a, a web. We are part of a team. And so we have to utilize the team. You have to build the team and then utilize the team. So that is super important point that you're bringing up for sure. One of my clients, I think she heard this on a podcast somewhere and I don't know where it came from. So I'm sorry that I'm not giving credit, but (laughs) one of my clients told me that she heard somewhere that you're juggling all these balls, right? You got all these balls in the air and some of them are plastic and some of them are glass. So you make sure you catch the glass ones, but it's okay to drop the plastic ones because they'll bounce and they'll be okay. So maybe a glass ball is making sure you pick up your kids from school so that they have a ride home. But maybe the plastic ball is like, that means we're not going to have time to make a nice homemade hooked meal tonight. And instead we're stopping at McDonald's on the way home, you know, like you just have to reprioritize some sometimes and see what is something that absolutely can't fall through the cracks. And some of those other things, maybe they can wait till the end of the week or next week. Yeah. Love that. that. What a great, I, thanks for sharing that. And yeah. we'll put it out into the ethers that uh, whoever, whoever came up with that, um, we want to give you credit, but that's, that's a great explanation of um, what life can look like and how to, how to reframe, right? I think reframing is such a good word to use in these yeah. situation of reframe your role as caregiver. Well, Gabrielle, can you share with folks, how can they find out more about your work and what you do if they want to learn a little bit more about burnout and your consulting and your training? Sure. So I don't have a website right now, but you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Do add anybody on any of those platforms. And it's just my name, Gabrielle Giuliano Villani. 
on all of those to make it somewhat easy since my name is complicated, but you can send me a message if you want to work together or if you know you have more questions or you want to pick my brain a little bit, I'm happy to chat with you. Great. And then I also hear part of your training is that you do trainings with healthcare professionals and organizations and groups. So I do, and I love doing that. And that looks different for everybody. I'm very flexible. I've done like a couple of weeks, weeks long series with people. I've done just one lunch and learn. I've done three lunch and learns. I can do a retreat. So then we can dig a little bit deeper and really get to the root of what's going on and how we can have some really good things in place to prevent burnout in some of these areas because we need you. (laughs) We do. Thank you so much, Gabrielle, for taking the time to have this conversation. And yeah, I just appreciate you showing up. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have comments or would like to send us a message, you can send it to hello at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. Please also consider following us at Life on Repeat Podcast, either on Instagram or Facebook. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.